Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today in the locker room. I'm Alan Locker. Joining me on this Friday afternoon is Rich Burns, the producer, writer, director, and star of the new darkly comic web series, The Disappointments, which premiered this past Monday with episodes one through three currently available on YouTube. Episodes four and five will be released this Monday, November 15th at 12 Pacific, uh, 12 midnight Pacific time, and each Monday through December 6th. Joining Rich today is his on-screen boyfriend, and a producer on the project, actor Trevor LaPaglia. The Disappointments follows a group of close friends in their 50s who, rocked by the suicide of one of their own, are forced to face the failures and disappointments in their own lives. Based in part on actual events, this series looks at a pivotal issue people face as they navigate their 50s. What do you do when you realize that time is running short? The road behind you is longer than the road ahead. And your job, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your life, has not turned out exactly the way you had hoped and planned when you were younger. As a gay man in his 50s myself, who saw very little or no representation when I was growing up, I have to say I am thrilled that Disappointments is here to represent my generation today. We have so much to talk about, so let's dive in. Please welcome to the locker room, Rich Burns and Trevor LaPaglia. Hey, gentlemen. Hey there, how are you? Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Well, I thank you to, you know, my friend Craig Carpell, and I know you are friends with uh, the Carpell brothers. Exactly. The Carpell brothers. It sounds like Carpell some kind of trapeze brothers. act. <laughs> I've known those gentlemen for like 30 years. So, uh, you know, it's uh, good people. Good people. Well, mm-hmm. well, gentlemen, I have to tell you that you had me from the very first note of the very first episode with your choice of music. So we'll get to that in a bit, but I've sure. watched episodes one through five and loved it. And I'm really loving seeing, you know, like I said, my generation and issues we all deal with portrayed on screen. Um, before we dive into the disappointments, um, do you mind if we, you know, go back and talk about both of your coming out stories? Sure, sure. Yeah. Should, should we go uh, age before beauty? <laughs> uh, well, because mine was different. So, um, you know, I grew up in Connecticut and it was a very, um, it's a conservative world, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have any sort of gay role models in my life or in the community around me. Um, and I also, like, I knew that there was something different when I was a kid, when I was pretty young but I couldn't identify what it was because there were no uh, examples out there for me to like go, oh, that's, that's what I am, I'm gay. Um, and it wasn't until I went to NYU, I was in school and I started meeting a lot of gay guys. I worked at a suntan salon on Madison in 66. They're definitely there. <laughs> they were there. 
that's a whole other story. I have a whole celebrity sweat collection, which I can talk about at another time. Well, 66th in Madison. Yeah, I would say that that's probably, you know, some celebs on that side of town. Exactly. Um, and so I was, you know, I was living in New York during, you know, it was the major, uh, the biggest, worst part of the AIDS epidemic, you know. And um, I was so closeted. I was so, you know, I was brought up Catholic. I had all of this... Uh, resistance and uh, just internalized homophobia that um, I did not actually come out until I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, I was 26 and um, I met a couple of guys, one guy in particular who um, he was an NYU alum was through the association, alumni association out there. And um, he was an amazing man. And his name was Jeff Leppy. He has passed away from, passed away from AIDS. Um, but he Sorry. was like, Oh yeah. Um, he was a, an amazing role model, and um, I started meeting more people through him, and I just realized that, you know, it was okay to be who I am, and it's also, like, I just embraced it beyond okay. It's like, this is what I am. Um, I, I think you I, cut out, but did you, did you say what age you came out earlier? Or you, you started uh, to... I was tw 26 is when I really started to, um, to deal with it. Um, it's funny, I've been in therapy at NYU, and was working with a therapist who, uh, she was a lesbian. And uh, I told her I was moving to Los Angeles and we've been like, just sort of tiptoeing around the whole sexuality thing. Uh, we never got into it. But when I told her I was quitting therapy and moving to Los Angeles, she's like, you can't leave now, you're gay. Which I thought was like outrageous that a therapist <laughs> yeah. outed me in therapy. Um, but of course she was right, just not appropriate. What was your reaction to that at that moment? Do you remember? Freaked me out. I could not get out of the room fast enough. You know, um, wow. I'm not. You're a terrible therapist. Yes, exactly. You're the worst therapist ever. I, I mean, yeah, I, I've never heard something like that. Well, Trevor, I heard you you say that you um, don't think you would have ever come out if you never left your hometown. Mm, no, I uh, I knew at a really young age I was different. You know, I I knew the feelings I had for boys. I didn't know anyone else had feelings like that. I was probably eight years old. And I, I kind of made this pact with myself that I was going to take this to my grave, you know, which is really sad and a lot of weight on an eight-year-old. Um, but I, I grew up in a really small town, very conservative. There's a church on every two corners. Um, my grandma was actually going to be a nun before she met my grandfather. Um, so my family's very religious. Um, however, my aunt is a lesbian. and My family's very supportive of her being gay. So I knew my family would be okay with it. it was, it's the, the system we live in, you know, the, the society. So I, uh, you know, I played the game. I pretended to have girlfriends. I, um, I just played it straight. And I, I accepted the fact this would be my life. And uh, I was really depressed, a little suicidal in middle school. Um, and I, I, I got through it, you know, I, I, I got through it. Um, and then I, I ended up going to school for pre-med. I still tried dating girls. I filled my schedule with every club and every class. And I, it was kind of my excuse to why I didn't have a girlfriend, or why I wasn't in a relationship. And then I had an opportunity to move to LA for my acting. Um, I grew grown up doing theater. I was like the token straight guy. So I got all, a lot of the leads, which was fun. And it's kind of sad at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't until I was living in LA for almost four years. I had been dating a girl in Burbank. Um, I got, uh, 
I, I started working in the polo lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and one of my coworkers, Michael Eugene, was talking to me one day, putting food in the terminals, and said something about his boyfriend. I was like, "You're gay?" Like I had no idea. You know, like, he he he. It was so little of who he was. He didn't let it define who he was. So mm-hmm. that's why I didn't think he was gay. And he was the first person I had met that I could connect to and relate to. Be like, wow, you know, I I could do that. You know, like he's such a cool guy and. I didn't, I, I didn't label him as this gay guy. I labeled him as the funny guy, the sweet guy, the talented guy, the, you know, and um, so he was the first person I actually came out to. Um, I think I told him like a week later, he was really like the catalyst that made me realize I can do this. Um, and then the rest was history. Well, and you know, he, he, he brought up the, uh, the idea of being uh, super depressed and suicidal. And I should add that like, I haven't thought about my experience coming out in a very long time because I've been out for so long now. Um, but it was the same thing. I was in therapy because I had suicidal thoughts and um, I couldn't get out of bed. It was just a very dark, um, very dark and oppressive time, all interior. Like I wasn't getting anything from outside. Like nobody was picking on me or anything like that. But it was, it was home self, you know, inner homophobia. It was self hate. Um, and that's, when I spoke about my friend Jeff Leppy, that he there was a light that came from him. He was the happiest, funniest, drollest, um, just bright light in my life. And uh, mm. I hadn't really had very many role models, gay or straight, like that. So it was definitely he helped me to look at myself in a different way, and um, my depression lifted. And, mm. you know, suicidal thoughts have, they went away. And so, it's, I mean, it just goes to show that if you, that role models mean a lot. Yeah. You know, having somebody to look at. Representation. Yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. I was just, the sad I was part, talk- yeah. I was just going to add the sad part was like, I, I realized even if I did come out, the guys that I was, so we had like a family computer growing up and I was too afraid to type in gay because I knew that would help myself in case my parents saw history or cookies, even though I deleted all of that. But I would look up bodybuilders and muscle men thinking like, oh, it's heterosexual. They're not going to know. And I loved it. And I was like, these are the guys I like, bodybuilders and muscle men. And I didn't think that, I thought they were all straight. So I was like, even if I do come out, I'm not going to be able to get what I want. So I might as well stay in the closet because I'm somewhat happy now. So if I do come out, I'm just going to be treated differently. I'm going to be more lonely because I'm not going to get what I want. And that was even more depressing. I didn't have any, I didn't have any role models of these masculine men that could potentially be gay. You know, the only role models we had were these flamboyant feminine men that, that I, I couldn't relate to. Well, and I've got to say, like, I'm very similar to Trevor with regards to what it is that catches my eye and what it is that I find attractive. However, coming back to this man who was such an imp- had such an impact on me, he was flamboyant. He was like, he was what I was afraid of. And it was what I was afraid of being associated with because that would make me, if I'm with him, people think he's gay. Oh, he must be gay too. But because of, again, because of the man he was and he was so confident in his own being in his own self he was so grounded it didn't matter to me it's like it, and it helped me now to be to the point where like i don't care you can be whatever yeah. you are so if you're a good person yeah. i'm gonna be drawn to you well and years later my my type has changed too where i have a lot of respect for these feminine men 
because they were the ones who lived fearlessly. They couldn't hide it, so they were kind of outed just being themselves. Right. And I was the one living in fear, pretending to assimilate. So years later, I'm like, you know, I have a lot of respect for these these feminine men because they are much stronger than I was. And well, well I, said, because I yeah. agree. I, I was petrified. You know, my mother asked me if I, you know, basically, and but my father never knew. But, you know, what you keep um, alluding to really is that representation. You know, we grew up at a time where there was no representation whatsoever. You know, people ask me, when did I know? And I don't have that time frame because I don't think I could articulate. Like, I didn't know what gay was. You know, Trevor, uh, I grew up when it wasn't a computer, so I had nothing to, you know, search in, right. you know. <laughs> you know Sears catalogs. I have the Sears catalog, <laughs> exactly, the Sears catalog. International mail once in a while. <laughs> um, but it's it really, you know, so congratulations on just putting the disappointments out there uh, about, you know, our generation, um, but it, but it is amazing. And um, what what's the reaction been like? You have three episodes out. What's the reaction been like? It's been really great. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think we have about 20,000 views on the pilot episode so far, which is kind of outstanding. That's um, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the comments have been, it's really funny. Like I'm, I don't know uh, that much about uh, social media. I don't know much about the platform YouTube. I had to like educate myself. Uh, this amazing guy contacted me through social media. He, his name is uh, his Instagram name is Charlie and Smile, and he um, offered to optimize our 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 YouTube page for free. Um, wow! And he, he it it went from being just like videos loaded and out of out of order to being like a professional channel so thank you charlie um but also one of the things i didn't know was that that you had to um approve comments so i was wondering like we're getting a lot of views but nobody's commenting and then i found this tab it says comments and i looked and it's like there's fantastic the comments it's it's you also can turn them on and they'll just come you, you yes know, you can just get <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I know the feeling I it's it trial out. by error it's trial <laughs> by error I I completely I completely relate. Well, the opening shot in the first episode cracked me up so much. I think so many gay men and probably straight men and women can relate to that moment. I'm not going to, you know, spoil it, but it's a great opening shot for for the show in the bathroom. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. it was uh making fun of uh my own social media presence. You know, just <laughs> The whole show is like I'm skewering myself a lot too. So, well, take take me back because I understand the idea came to you about ten years ago, uh, while you were at yes. dinner at one of my absolute favorite restaurants <laughs> in West Hollywood, where I yes. think I actually met Ari for dinner once when I was visiting. But uh, Marek's, the great, is it still there? Because I've not been. To LA. It's it's yeah. still there, but it's currently it still hasn't opened since um, you know LA lifted out of lockdown, and, and the rumor going around is that they just haven't been able to to staff it, which I find really hard to believe because other places have opened. Um, wow. Yes, we we had uh, it, you know what? Okay, food, <laughs> amazing margaritas. I've had many fun night that I remember some of there. Um, <laughs> We uh, so as a group of us having dinner, it, including James Campbell, who plays James Caldwell in the series, um, and we were talking about a friend. It came up in a conversation about a friend who uh, recently killed himself, 
And um, this was somebody who had, he, he was successful at his job, but his job suddenly went away. He was in debt with his, uh, his home. There were things going on in his life that uh, it just suddenly just went like this. And he was dealing with depression to begin with, but he had this sense of I've lost everything and I, I don't know how to recover and there's nothing for me and my life is over. And so he tragically ended it. And our conversation continued. We realized that we had probably three or four friends who've done the same thing within the last year and a half. And it just felt like this phenomenon of like, you know, what's, we were inquiring, like what's going on here? We were thinking it through. And the thought was that reaching a certain age, 40, you know, sometimes pushing 50, um, people have come up with a dream for their life, things that they, how they see their life uh, mapped out and how they want it to, to pan out. And, you know, some people just don't kind of ride the curves and, and, and find their way. Some people just keep going. And then when it doesn't pan out, what do they do? Like, so in our conversation, it was like, some people seem to like go a really dark direction. Then there were other people that we were bringing up that um, they changed paths. They went back to school, they became therapists, they became real estate agents, and they became successful in this new career goal. So they, they let go of what the dream was and they, they invented or created a new dream for themselves. And then there were the third group, which were the people who, while it still hadn't panned out the way they wanted it to, they were not gonna give up and they're gonna keep going forward. So that whole conversation was the, um, sort of the stellar birthplace. The stars were all forming in space and that became the idea of the sh for the show. And, and because James, I mean, I, lo I love James Campbell so much and um, he was always in my mind going to be one of the characters in it. Um, he's so good. He's so good, I love James. Um, and what was the first, you know, when did you, you know, you take that dinner and then decide it's gonna be the well, I'm really quick at putting things together. So I, we had that dinner. <laughs> 15 years later, I wrote a script. <laughs> you know, other stuff came up. I had, I got, I was writing some TV movies. I was working at Disney. I, I ended up working at, um, at DreamWorks. Um, but I ended up writing, a, it was a TV pilot initially. I wrote a TV pilot, which is the first two episodes were the pilot. And, you know, it was just a writing sample. I didn't think anybody was ever going to make it. I couldn't really get anyone to, to show it around. Nobody was looking at it. And then I went to see a web series called uh, The New 30, which is uh, created and directed and written by Walt Bost. Um, and I was dragged to it by this guy, Chuck Sakula, who's a friend of mine, he's an actor, and he's in it. And I say dragged to it because the idea of going to see a web series premiering at that time to me was like, you know, stick needles in my eyes. Like it sounded so dreadful. And I, the deal was like, Chuck, I'll go with you, but we have to sit in the back. And the second your episode is over, we leave. Um, it, but the show started and it was fantastic right from the beginning. And I was, I stayed all the way through the end. I stayed through the question and answer. And what intrigued me was they put this series together and paid for it themselves. So I, I introduced myself to Walt and I started picking his brain and we ended up having a really long lunch. Uh, and he told me, you know, he, he did the pilot episode for $6,000. He did the whole show for, you know, very little money. Um, and from that moment on, I was like, no, this pilot that I wrote, this is going to be a web series. I'm going to write more episodes and um, I'm going to raise the money. I'm going to make it. And, and you did, right? You crowdsourced this project? Yes, we did it through uh, Indiegogo. We 
had no footage to show whatsoever. We made like a little zany pitch video um, with me and James and a, uh, a couple of other actors. And um, with nothing to show, we raised over $30,000, which is pretty great. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And then we went back and, and did a second one for post-production. And also we exceeded our goal for that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, people have responded to the idea uh, pretty positively. You know, some, some people very, very generously and uh, <laughs> Richard Green. Um, <laughs> like, hey, you, you need to say thank you where the, you know. Oh yeah, well, some where, of them, where, where the bread is buttered. Said, but some people don't want to have their uh, name sort of touted, not because that they're afraid of any repercussions, but they just, they're just humble just, human beings and they just want to give. So um, they know who they are. In this day and age, it's nice to see that, isn't it? It's what's, you know, this, you say this day and age. The thing about that I find so amazing about social media, social media can be a curse, but social media is how this show got made. It's entirely funded pretty much by who um, saw posts and went to the Indiegogo and they, they contributed to it. But it's not even just the money, it's the music, which you alluded to before which we can talk to talk about whenever you want to talk about it. But the music came to us through social media where people saw what we were doing. It's like, I've got some music. I want to share it with you. And it was fantastic. And it's in the show. Um, and oh, many well, of these artists are, are LGBTQ artists. Which yes. I have been a, a big fan um, of Bright Light, Bright Light for yes. years. Oh, love it. Four Here years. <laughs> Four years, and I just from the moment your the show opened, um, and I've got to see him, and yeah, it, it's phenomenal. He, he's he's so generous. He's so fantastic. He he gave us that music. Like we didn't have the budget to pay for that. He believed in the show, and in, in fact, the way I pitched it to him is, I said, I would love for for Bright Light, Bright Light to be the Bee Gees, our Bee Gees, as if we were Saturday Night Fever, and it would be the sound of the show. And he oh, was like, I have chills. sold. Yeah. That is incredible. I, I mean, I don't know if you have. Have you seen him live? I saw yeah. him live in a club that wasn't huge. And he's so charismatic and magnetic. Oh. And so, like, he sounds just like his records. Yeah, you know, he, he's it's, phenomenal. It's I, I've gone to, it's been years now with, you know, COVID happening. But, uh, yeah, but, love, love that that was in there. Uh, phenomenally. So um, if I have it right, Trevor was not originally going to play Dwight. Is that correct? Somebody else was? Shall I? Or shall you? Yeah, you can go ahead. All right. Well, first <laughs> well, I, of all, I, lo I love the everything... story. Of, I love the story of, of how you uh, saw him. So please well, share that. <laughs> okay. I'll share that. So yeah, we had a really talented um, actor who did the first two readings of the role, playing the role. We had some table readings. Um, guy named Tom Berkland. He lives in New York now. Really super talented. Um, and so he was going to play the part, but then he moved to New York and he got a, a job on Broadway and he wasn't available. And so I had to do a search. And um, somebody had said to me, there's this guy who's an actor and he's, a, he's currently working as a bartender in a bar in West Hollywood called Trunks. And he, he showed me a picture of him and I was like, he would be perfect. That, that works. So good. <laughs> that works. That hex is like ticking the boxes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wanted to like do a little reconnaissance. 
because um, you know we didn't have a casting director, or casting agent, or anything. It was all me and my uh, co-producer Steve putting this together. Um, so I went into trunks, went there with a friend, and my uh, my objective was to sit in the shadows and just watch Trevor and, and get a feel for him and see how he was with people and how he moved and just sort of get a vibe. But I was not going to interact with him at all because um, I was just. I don't know. I felt awkward and shy about the he whole thing. He did a terrible job at being well, so <laughs> unseen. He's got like this tight blue t-shirt on, looking all sexy, and I'm like, who's that? Well, well, again, I was trying to stay in the shadows <laughs> in spite of that. Um, yeah, so yeah I, I don't think you can stay in the shadows much, Rich. In my mind, I was <laughs> So we, um, I, I went up, to, I was making a point of when I would get a drink to not go to Trevor, the bar setup where there's two bartenders, one at each end. So I would go to the other end to the other bartender. And um, I think I got one round, maybe two from that bartender. And then I got up to get a third round. And as I did that, I like slipped in. I was like, hey, what can I get for you? Well, that bartender <laughs> walked up and it's like, I was halfway there and I see Trevor coming. And I almost like stopped in my tracks. I'm like, I'm gonna go back in the shadows. <laughs> but um, that would have looked silly. So yeah, I, I stepped up to him, and you can continue. He had a couple of drinks, and stupid me, I'm trying to like spark conversations, hands and hands. I go, "What does your shirt say?" Said the disappointments. He happened to be wearing a disappointments T-shirt, um, and I said, "Oh, cool. Are you are you part of this project?" He said, "Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm the writer and director." I was like, "Wow, congratulations. That's really cool." He's like, "Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know Tom Berkman starts telling me about Tom." It's not ringing the bell. And then he says, yeah, Tom did this scene with you where you're fighting on the beach and you're running. And I'm like, oh, A, dawns at me that I do know who Tom Berkman is. And B, he's referencing something I did. So I was like, okay, this is weird. He's like, yeah, I need to recast Tom's character because he just took a show on Broadway. I said, oh, uh, okay. And I just kind of connected the dots. And he told me they were casting the part and that someone had suggested me. So, um, I said, send me the script. I read it. We met a week later for coffee, and the rest was history. What, what Do you remember what you thought when you read the script immediately? Oh, it was really good. It was funny. It was really funny. It was well-written. I read a lot of scripts, um, and a lot of them are bad. You know, they're like these two-dimensional stories. And, I, and, you know, this one has, you know, gay elements to it, but it's not one called, like, a gay project. You know, they're not reasons to have shirtless men. You know, mm -hmm. like you often see what I often read in scripts. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. You know, I, I need to be selective with my the projects I choose because I want a career with longevity and I want to play lots of different roles. I don't want to corner myself into playing the gay guy. You know, um, that's the reason why I left one of my agents back in the days because she sent me on six gay auditions in a row. Um, yeah, I was like, I can't help but notice you're anyways. That's another story. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I really liked it. So um, I was like, yeah, I'm intrigued. Let's keep meeting and talking. And, and then I got it. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and Rich, for yeah. you, were you always intending to be, uh, I mean, I know you were writing it and directing it, but an actor in it? No. Um, I originally had, um, there was an actor who, um, I guess I can, uh, Murray Bartlett is someone yeah. that I became He's uh, a good friend of mine. acquainted with. Okay, so I love Murray. And, Murray, um, we worked on um, Guiding Light together. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Cynthia Watros. What's that? Yes, Cynthia. I'm going to ask you about Cynthia Watros. I worked with her 
few times. Yes, I know. I was going to mention Cynthia. Uh, I saw that you did her her show. <laughs> so, um, so uh -oh, that not Murray, a good story. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's fantastic. No, I adore her. I'm, I'm drinking Trevor's coffee now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Murray's great. Mark says Murray's the disappointments. Great. So, so Murray, uh, he all there was was the pilot script, and he read it, um, and he was he really he liked it. He was intrigued. Um, the conversation uh, didn't really go much beyond that because uh, one, we didn't have money. We were, you know, it was a pretty primarily defer your salary type of project. Um, and number two, he uh, when it came down to it, I didn't even reach out to him again because I knew he had just been cast in um, Tales of the City. And that's, we were shooting the same time they were shooting. So, uh, and there was another actor who I really liked and uh, he ended up shooting uh, another gay movie during the summer. And I was seeing other people and they just didn't have the, they didn't tick off all the things like those two actors had. And I finally, I was talking to James Campbell and um, at the time, Jim J. Bullock was going to play the part that Getty Watanabe plays. And the two of them just like, why don't you just do it? You know, you, you're, we'll have your back as far as acting is concerned. They, they felt that I had enough personality, I guess, or whatever to make it work. Um, so I did, for better or worse. <laughs> I did. For, for better. I mean, you, you, you come across natural. You, you, you play Ray, which, like I said, is my husband's name. Good name. Um, for you, Trevor... How, you know, what was it like working with somebody who has not acted before? Was it, because uh, I know you two oh, worked was... really hard. I should probably leave the room now. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was fun. Um, we, we, we met a few times and got to know each other and Rich and I became pretty close. He, um, he started like a, kind of trusting things I would say, you know. Um, okay, let me just say that one part. For yeah, you like, start it. I don't know. How to well, do. just because uh, I think Trevor might be resisting saying um, Trevor. So Trevor has obviously more experience in acting. Than me, so I grew up doing theater since I was 10. And then I've been out here for the last 10 years pursuing my career professionally. And I've been studying. And right. Which and I had not been. So Trevor gave me a lot of, uh, you know, guidance here and there for um, as the great thing was very it was very um, working on our our scenes, which we did extensive rehearsing. Yeah, we rehearsed for three months before the show. We, we maybe twice. Yeah, uh, a, a week, week or whatever. Three times a week. And, and we developed a, like our, the chemistry just, you know, between us came. I introduced Rich to a lot of uh, like uh, parts of the process that I do with my scenes in class and things I do with my coach. And then he dragged me to an acting class. And then I brought him to my class and we workshopped a lot of the scenes in class, which was fun. And, um, Personally, my favorite part was that, like, afterwards, some of the actors were really mad at me because they, they sitting there watching that afterwards, they said, you've never acted before? <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah. maybe I can do this. It was, it was an honor because Rich was really receptive to my notes, too, so it really made me feel more part of the project. And I would like to say that Trevor was receptive to my notes as well. So. <laughs> as the director, he, he you know. Yes. Um, is, is this something you think you might pursue, Rich? Um, I don't. If somebody season came to two. me, well, season two, absolutely. Yes, of course. Uh, season well, two is good. here, and it's it's bigger and better. Um, you know, if someone came to me and had something they wanted me to do, I would do it. 
um, but I'm not, I don't see myself going on auditions and uh, sitting in a room full of silver haired guys. You don't need to audition now, you're a star. Well, I, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so if, the, if there's a role that's uh, someone thinks I'm right for um, and they want to have me do it, sure, I would do it, but uh, it's not something I'm searching. Pers for. Yeah, pursuing. Um, but Trevor, you uh, had a producer title on the project as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I mean, whenever I get involved in a project, if they give me the reins, I'll kind of do more. I get very involved, get very passionate. Um, I have a lot of experience, so where there's little voids, I'll fill and, and help make the project better. You know, I really love, I love set decorating. I like setting up the shots. I enjoy editing. Um, I, I enjoy it all. Uh, I've worked on sets behind the camera. That's how I met Cynthia Watros, actually. Um, about 11 years ago, I worked on a movie called Electric Children. Um, I was a head PA on it, and I also acted in it as well. Um, it was her, Billy Zane, Rory Culkin, um, uh, uh, Julia Garner, the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Ruth. Ruth, Ruth from... Uh, Ruth, yeah, Ruth. from Ozark. <laughs> um, from Ozark. And this was, like, right before she hit it big, so it was a real honor to work with all these actors because it was such a hit cast. Um, I, and, I love uh, that. I found the, that I found that series. I watched you do the stuff with Cynthia. It's great. She is... Well, that was... After that project, I did Cynthia Watch Us Gets Lost because uh, yeah. that's how I met Cynthia, and then she brought me on to that, and um, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. She's yeah. a talented and lady. So, mm -hmm. with regards to Trevor's uh, real, uh, and once we were done with production, he uh, we were doing getting into post production, and we needed to raise more money because uh, we used all the money for production. Trevor was really big in helping me raise that money, which um, you know you can't make you can't make a show and you can't finish a show without yeah. Funds, I helped so. uh, set up the post production fundraiser. We were able to raise like maybe a third. We raised. We raised. We were shooting for twelve thousand. We raised sixteen. Yeah. So, um, and we we and made a lot of silly videos together for uh, yeah. the, the campaign. I remember and one in a shopping cart. And so, all on social anyway. media. Uh, yes, Facebook and Instagram. Bravo. I don't have a Twitter account. Then I helped with the, the screenings that we had for the the friends, family, cast, and crew screenings. Yeah. Uh, it was a real it was a real struggle trying to find locations with COVID going on because so many of these venues aren't answering their phones. Uh, they're like, it was such a headache. Um, and did we actually didn't really land the perfect venue that we were looking for. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But we made it work. 
Um, and we were just so eager just to finish this season, get it out there. You know, we could have waited longer to find the right venue, but it was just like sitting on this project that we're so eager to get out there and share, you know. And and you can reach so many people on YouTube. So it's, it, you know, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's, and it's hopefully, you know, because as we say, we do, um, there will be a season two. And uh, if someone were to watch the show and be like, love it, but want to fund it, or we want to uh, distribute it and fund it or whatever, that's great. But in the meantime, we're going to proceed as we did the first time and make it a project that involves everyone who wants to be involved. Meaning, yeah. you know, it's really amazing to me, again, getting back to the social media aspect of it, that people didn't just contribute. They stayed in touch and they're commenting on the episodes and they're saying that like, they're so happy that they helped us make this show. Like they feel great about it. And that feels good to me. It's like, I felt like we were on set. We were in this, you know, the set was pretty big. We had a lot of people on the set, but it was beyond that. It's like the, the fingers of this project literally reach around the world. We had people from Middle East and Eastern Europe and Australia and like everywhere contributing. Wow. There's not many shows like this. You know, it's kind of fitting this niche that needs to be, to be had, you know, the, especially the topic of suicide. Um, being influencers, influences in the gay community, you know what I mean? Um, it's nice. But it's also the- uh, Positive role model. It's, and it's the aspect of, you know, telling the stories of, of, of the people of our generation, mm -hmm. Alan, who are like, are at this point where we're dealing with what we're dealing with. And I had not seen that. Um, I don't think I've seen that even in television, but I certainly haven't seen it uh, in it with the LGBTQ. Uh, representation. representation. Well, there aren't too many, you know, shows that are sort of serialized telling stories about, you know, our our world. You know, no, so you're, and, and at a particular age point as well. You know, it does. It. I mean, the, well, <laughs> you know, I'm 55. Yeah. I mean, I've not seen myself represented. At, you know, you know, there aren't gay men on television you know, leading a show like yours, you know, who, who could we name? Sure. We, we couldn't name anybody. Um, you know, talking about the social media and the, the, the fundraising, it reminds me, Trevor, of Steve Grand um, and what he did, because I was so impressed at, at a young man at his age coming out of the closet and wanting to, you know, make music without uh, having to hide himself that I contributed for that purpose to his, yeah. you know, first album, because, you know, like I said, you know, it, it there was nothing when, when I grew up and to, to see he's, somebody. He's who, extremely talented. He, yeah. he, he's not repped by a label. He produces and mixes and masters and does all of his own stuff. Um, he's, he's actually like a music genius. Um, and you, you wouldn't know it. You, you, you know, He's a very handsome man, and I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> judge a book by his cover. But when you meet him, he he blows you away. Yeah. Um, he's so deep and intellectual, and um, just a really interesting, great guy. And I'm I'm happy to be his friend. Um, and we were able to actually have a a reunion video five years after our original one, which was yeah. fun. Well, that's how I first laid stuff. eyes on you. You know, was through his music. Okay, was it yeah. the first one six years ago? The, or first, past the first one. Yeah, okay, the first yeah, one. yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've, like I've followed him from, 
you know, th that first video he put out, the uh, All-American Boy, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rich, think back. Like, could you imagine seeing something like that when we were, you know, 20 of no. somebody as beautiful as Steve and talented as Steve? Just my first um, my first exposure to a uh, gay character in um, popular media Called, um, yeah. on television was Billy Crystal playing the gay character on Soap. Me too. You know, yeah. and that wasn't uh, I don't, that wasn't that wasn't the kind of representation that helped me. You know, right. I didn't see myself in that, and it wasn't genuine. You know, it's great that they did. It was groundbreaking at the time. You know, but it was a straight man playing a gay man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Trevor, what was it like for you? You know, because to be, you know, shot out of a cannon when that first video came out. Uh. It was, it's funny, I almost didn't do it. My, I, I was talking to my friends, Dex and Scott at the time. And I said, you know what, I just did. It was around the time I like fired my agent for sending me on six gay auditions in a row. And I didn't want to get typecast. And I said, here's another gay project. I was like, is this all I'm good for? <laughs> and um, and I, I, I met Steve earlier that summer. And he was a really cool guy who was visiting. Um, and he had called me and he said, hey, I have this last minute idea. Remember you said you were an actor. Would you want to play my boyfriend? Uh, can you meet me in Palm Springs tomorrow? It was literally that that much notice. That's wow. the only thing about it. And I called him back 10 minutes later. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. My friend's like, you know what? If it doesn't do well, not many people are going to see it because it's just within the gay community. And if it does do well, then you only have that much more to gain. And it ended up, it ended up being a really great collaboration. And it, it hit big. It got like 2 million views in two weeks. It got recognized by Billboard Top whatever with Katy Perry's cover song. It was cool. It, it it literally skyrocketed my Instagram from like four thousand followers to like thirty thousand followers, um, and all of his followers are so amazing. Like they're so supportive, and they just kind of started riding my path. And uh, yeah, there it, it was. It was a cool experience. You know, it, it definitely got me to where I am now, which just goes to show like every project is a stepping stone. You That's know? so so interesting. So. Yeah. Um, what else can we expect this season on the disappointments? So this Monday, it's episode four and five, right? Episode four and five. Uh, we get a little bit more of what life is like for uh, Ray when, when uh, Dwight moves in with him. Um, things don't <laughs> necessarily good. go the way you'd expect them to. Um, you know, one of the things we're, we're playing with is, and it's, I can say this because it's set up in the first couple of episodes. In fact, it's at the end of the first scene inside the gym when, um, Ori, uh, he plays Carl, the trainer, says to Ray, after after Dwight pays the bill, peels off the bills that Ray can't afford to pay, he's like, dude, that's so cool. You're being kept by a younger guy. And so we get a little bit deeper to what that feels like for Ray and, and how he's um, kind of he's sort of put himself in a bit of a jam as far as like, you know, ego versus like what he's got to allow to have happen in to, uh, to make his yeah. life function. I gave him some tough love. Some tough love. Um, so that's going on. We get some fun with, uh, you know, James and uh, all of his pursuing, trying to figure out how to make his life work. He gets himself into some situations. And, uh, and Gary just has his own journey that he's on, that we all, you know, intersect with. So there's, there's fun to be had. Oh, um, also, sure. by the way, later later on, just because we brought him up earlier, um, 
in the last episode, uh, which is our biggest episode, it's 20 minutes long, um, that episode has an original song that Rod Thomas, Bright Light, Bright Light, wrote for the show that um, Getty Watanabe's character performs wow. in the show. So it's, we, we, have a, we have a musical number. Come. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's odd. I, I mean, I was like, wait a minute. And then I kept watching the first five episodes. I'm like, oh, my God, there's Rod again. There's Brett Light. <laughs> like every song, I was it, it just, you know. But I love what you said. Like, it's your Bee Gees. Because Rod's music is so infectious. It's infectious. And when you listen to the lyrics, like, sometimes I would use one of his songs. Um, and this, this goes back to, like, I've never directed anything before. This is my first time doing something like this. In the second season, I'm going to integrate the music more in the ap actual episodes. Like we have an amazing score by David Frank Wong. He's so good. The score is fantastic. Um, but I, but partly because of budget, we didn't have time to see characters moving from one location to another, or we didn't have the money to to shoot them out there in the world because we had to be very careful of how we spent the money, and we had to like try to make it as, the show as as expansive as possible mm -hmm. to look like we're out in the world but it's hard to do that um with permits and all of that stuff so um in the second season there will be more uh of the music with a song within the episode and it's it's delivering it's, it's landing the emotion of the scene um but rod's music there are a couple songs i mean i love all of it but there are a couple songs lyrically that to me are so spot on perfect and they heighten the uh what just happened emotionally. And, and a lot of times it does come right before we go into the credit, but he's, I, I just feel so lucky and I'm so grateful that, uh, first of all, that we came across each other's path on Instagram and that uh, we've developed this friendship that he's been so just insanely generous and, and he believes in us. And, and, you know, I want to get the word out there about him too. Like I want to promote him as possible. It's like, that's what we're doing because he's self-produced and he's not on that number. I, I agree. I he he sat down with me early on when I started this show because I I have followed him immensely and I agree. I think everybody should know who he is. His music is, and, and he is not just the music, but like you said, when you see him, and I've I've basically only seen him in small venues in New York City, like really, and he just you know rocks the house. So it's. It, it, it's impressive. Rich, you were involved in every aspect of this project. Um, what did you love? Hair and makeup. Hair and makeup. <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead. What, what did you love and learn the most doing? And what did you really kind of wish you could have given to somebody else to do? <laughs> oh, um, you know what? I loved everything I took on. There's nothing that I... Um, I'm sure if I really thought about it, if I had more time, I could pick things like I wish someone else could have taken that off my plate. Um, there are a few things that would have made things easier, like if we had playback on the set so I could see what the what we just shot so we could make sure we got it and we could move on. Um, but as far as like um, working with um, Sassy, our editor, I learned a ton. Um, and working with David, our composer, that was a major education because I really didn't have a, a, a grasp of how music works within um, a show. And um, so it was very educational. And, you know, just the whole thing was, I've said this before, it was like, 
I got to go to film school by making this project. And luckily I was surrounded by enough people that they were so good at their jobs. When I, I would express what it is that I wanted, they helped me do that as opposed to if I didn't have that support, what would have happened was it might not have looked as good as it all looks. Um, but the, the one thing that stands out the most is not a specific task or anything, but a number of times I made myself stop in the middle of the chaos on the set and look around, you know, the, the tech people who, you know, setting up the lights, setting and, and Troy doing our sound and actors getting ready, getting their, their makeup on. And it's just chaos. And it just, there's all this noise and it just got really awesome. quiet. And I just was just so grateful. I was just thinking like, I sat in a room by myself and wrote this and here it is now. It's, it's we're making it and it's come to life. And now it's out there. It's out in the world for everybody to see. Well, yeah. I quickly, I want to talk about your, your journeys quickly. Trevor, you said this earlier, acting since you were 10, what, how did you end up acting at 10 years old? Uh, my first show was Into the Woods. It was like a middle school production. Okay. I was Jack. Um, and then I remember one evening, my mom was going through the newspaper and there were auditions for Music Man at the community theater. And my mom was like, oh, this should be fun. This just sound like something you'd be interested in. And I said, yeah, why not? You know, uh, and I think this was even before I, I, I did the show in middle school. Um, and I did it and it was the bug that bit me. It was so much fun. You know, you got all these members of the community, parents, kids, nieces and nephews, um, doctors, mothers, you know, and everyone coming together and putting this show on. And I fell in love with it. It was at this theater in my hometown of Lockport, built in 1927. And uh, it, it was, I just did show after show. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're going to do the next one? I was like, yeah, if you do it, I'll do it. You know, and I, it kind of got me through it, um, having that, that community, you know. Um, and I had done shows throughout middle school, high school, and it was always just something on the side, something for fun, you know, especially you don't, when you're from a small town, you don't think to pursue the arts, you know, you think to do a practical job. And that's what, that's what uh, motivated me to want to go to pre-med. And then life kind of sucked. Um, and I had an opportunity to come to LA and I said, you know, I want to try this. You know, I have, I have a lot of experience and I believe in myself. I said, if, if anybody can do this, I think I can, you know, um, someone's got to you know, someone's got to do this and it could be me. So, and I, and I talked to the Dean of admissions. I said, Hey, if it doesn't work out, can I come back? And they said, sure. But the moment I got out here, I, I never looked back. LA was so amazing. You know, I started um, surrounding myself with other artists and communities out here. And it was, it was great. It was definitely what I needed, not realizing it. Do you have a you know, favorite? In, 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 yeah, uh, go, go ahead. I was going to say being an actor and using your body as your tool. So you're really just getting more in touch with yourself, which is how and why ultimately it came out. So I realized it was the one thing holding me back. I was pretending to be someone, pretending to be someone. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to make it if I keep doing this because I'm just holding myself back. And I was very aware of that. So that was also a little nudge to push me out of the closet. Your therapist didn't say you were gay. No. <laughs> <laughs> You know. Do you have a favorite stage role you've done? Uh, Riff from West Side Story. Um, I was a senior in high school at the time, but it was in my community theater. But it was like, I was at the prime, my prime. I was 17 years old. Um, it was a lot of fun. You know, I have my two big musical numbers. That's your prime. Cool. It's, all, it's all been down from there. <laughs> down 17. Yeah. 
uh, it was just so much fun. And, and by then I was already so close with all of my co-stars and, and all the other actors and crew members. Um, it was, I think maybe like my fourth, 10th, 12th show. Um, so we had such a bond, you know, it was great. I look back at those years and I wish I could go back. Um, cause it was, you know, life's so simple then I was still a student in high school, you know, that, it was, it was a blast. Like, it, cool. it sounded like you were about to break into a song. Life was so simple. You know, it's funny. I, I, I told my agents when I first moved out here, I said, if you if you see a production of West Side Story, going up, I want an audition. And now Spielberg is releasing West Side Story Christmas. And I was super Fra- bummed. I was like, I told Fingers crossed that. it's good. Fingers crossed it's good. Yeah. But, it yeah. Is, but it is Spielberg. Um, yeah. And Rich, Rich, writing, you won a contest in fourth grade, was it? Uh, it was like fourth or fifth grade. Uh, yeah, we had um, our assignment was for a week. We were to write our own book and illustrate it and um, manufacture it, just one copy of it. And so, uh, I mean, all that was was like, you know, taking construction paper and, and writing on both sides of the page and folding it and then binding it and um, putting, making a cover. And um, I, so I won that. And then we, we actually had that uh, for two of those in one year and I won both of them. So I'm a, um, a prize winning author. Um, and you know, the, the other, so that was one of the things. And then later in high school, um, I got involved in the junior year um, talent show. And I honestly don't remember what I did in the talent show itself, but in the, in the putting the show together, there was um, the, all this, this, the connecting tissue that like the MC did was really weak. And it wasn't, and I just found myself beginning to like insert myself and in, in giving ideas. And I ended up writing the script that they use for um, that the MC use, and they got a lot of laughs. And so the second year, they they asked me specifically to do that. Um, but it was so long ago, I don't remember what I did on stage. But, I, but I think it might have involved a stick and some plates spinning or something. <laughs> but that's what opened the writing door for you. That started it. And then, um, you know, I went to college as a business major because I didn't know what else to be. I mean, that you, Connecticut is a, uh, Stanford, Connecticut at the time was a corporate headquarter for a lot of co- corporations that moved out of New York, uh, Manhattan into Stanford. So like business was everything, business, business. And I don't even know what that means. Got it. So I was in as a business major and I was bored and I just decided I wanted to take a creative writing class. And the teacher, um, kids are bringing in they're 18 years old they're bringing in their like angst poetry and it was just dreadful and i said to the teacher i don't want to write this i can't write this and she's like well what would you like to write i said i've always loved tv and movies i want to write a screenplay and she didn't know how to to teach that she didn't know how to what a screenplay looked like or anything so she was one of these amazing educators where on weekends we would meet and we'd go together to a library in search of screenwriting we would find them. She would read one. I would read the other. We'd swap them. And so I ended up writing this screenplay, um, wrote the screenplay, went to the main branch of my college up in Storrs, Connecticut, started taking a screenwriting course. First day, everyone brings in scripts to read. Mine was read first. The class is like, oh, my God, this is so good. This is so amazing, all this stuff. Um, then the teacher said, okay, hold on a second. Let's not get carried away this is wrong and this is wrong and this sucks and this is bad and this is bad. I'm depressed, I go home and I had sent that script to an agent. Okay, round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry? 
Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's for an actor named Paul Michael Glazer who played Starsky. Yeah. Starsky. Yeah, Hutch, of course. Who me of course. being in the closet didn't know that yeah. I was in love with him. <laughs> and I come home from this terrible class, and the phone rings, and it's him. And he's read the script and he wants to option it. So I go into class the next day or to the teacher's office the next day. And there's all these students lined up and I walk past them and I walk up to his desk and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know that I'm dropping out of school. And he's like, no, 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 you can't drop out of school. You, you, you have to learn to take criticism. You know, you'll get better. And I said, Oh no, it's not that. I just had my script option and I was asked to move to LA so I could rewrite it. Bye. And I turned that walked out. So wait a minute, Paul Michael Glazer called you on the phone. Yes. That is I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was that is somebody amazing. The timing of that day. The time that day was that day was like it was written as far as like how that all unfolded. Yeah. So so who are some screenwriters that you admire? Wow, okay. Um, Charlie Kaufman. You know, um, I, uh, the names for Charlie Kaufman, um, one of my favorite movies is um, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, it's the one with Nicolas Cage. It was the Orchid Thief. It was he was doing the adaptation of the Orchid Thief, and he couldn't finish it. He couldn't write it, so he ended up writing. His script became him trying to adapt the or- Orchid Thief adaptation. It's called adaptation. It's brilliant. Um, he's fantastic. Um, I love James Cameron. Like I, I will read this script to Aliens over and over again. It, it's perfect. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, those are two that popped to, to mind. So, like, I like really interesting, independent, more independent yeah, movies. Yeah. And then I, I'm a big fan of uh, Hollywood, just action movies, and if they're if they're well done, and they can. Be. Is there an action movie that you've seen recently that you'd recommend people watch and go see? Um. Well, I wrote this script that should be made, and then if it was made, I'd recommend <laughs> people go see that movie. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think the last movie, well, I actually love the last James Bond movie because um, I was just such a Daniel Craig fan. The, the, this one that just the came one out. That just, yeah, somebody just told me they rented it at home. I might do that this weekend. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of his and I love the fact that they told a story pretty much throughout the whole thing. Um, so that was good. I just saw The Eternals last night. I don't know. I, I love how you say. Uh, I love how you say a, a fan of Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah. And, and Trevor, I was going to ask you, who are some uh, actors that you uh, admire? Um, Adrian Brody is awesome. Do, um, do you watch Succession? Him. I haven't seen it. No. He just joined the cast last week. Oh, so you season two. Okay. Yeah, I'm, he's in I'm personally two. waiting to. I Every, want there to be yeah. a bunch of episodes out before I start watching. Everything I see him in is gold. Um, he's just got this authentic character down. It had been um, so long since I'd seen him. He's he was yeah. phenomenal in this episode. He's an actor I really look up to. You like Tom That's, Hardy? I like Tom Hardy. I mean, in many ways. Yeah. 
who who doesn't? And that was going to be one of my last questions. Do you remember your first gay crush? Uh, uh, I, I Rich was Starsky. Rich was Starsky. He wasn't the first, actually. <laughs> the first one was, um, I didn't know it was a gay crush, but I used to, as a young kid, I was probably like five years old, uh, and I was six years old, and my eyes were just riveted to the screen when this actor was on, and um, I cannot think of what his name was, but he played, I think he played Ben Cartwright on Bonanza. He was the, he, he went out to be on Trapper John MD, and- um, Oh, Gregory Harrison? Well, he became my crush when that actor went. He's when Trapper John started. Gregory Harrison was like so sexy, he but it's so Pernell sexy. Roberts. Pernell Roberts, I think his name is Pernell Roberts. Um, dark hair, blue eyes, just just very sexy. But there, there's a long wake of actor crushes, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, knowing I was going to ask you, I was trying to think. I don't really remember from like my childhood that much, like. For me, I was like in love with Jacqueline Smith, but I was definitely gay. Like Charlie's Angels was my show, but like- So you loved your look... hair. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Totally. Gentlemen, it is such a pleasure to speak to both of you. I wish you the best of luck with the disappointment. Everybody watching, you. if you haven't watched it yet, the first three episodes are available on YouTube with the next two, four and five coming this Monday. Guys, you know, stay in touch. I. I yeah, what were you going to say? Can I make one more plug? I've been meaning to do this yes. behind me. If my mom is watching, she painted these. Wait, I'm pointing the wrong way. These two um, paint-by-number paintings when she was she had, uh, she had tuberculosis and she was in a sanitarium. And she painted those when she was 21 years old and she's now 93. So, Mom, that's where the paintings are? They're hanging 93 it, years old. Amazing. That is incredible. <laughs> Where does so, she live? Is she still in? Is she still in Connecticut? She's still. She's in the house I grew up in. So every time I go home, I stay in the bedroom that I was right. raised in, and it's really weird. It's really weird. <laughs> that is amazing, <laughs> gentlemen. Best of luck. Have a fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much for fabulous having weekend. Yeah. You are so welcome. It was, it was fun. Bye Thank guys. You. Bye guys. Everybody, like I said. Uh, Check out the disappointments. Thank you to Rich Burns and Trevor LaPaglia. Um, go to YouTube right now and you can watch the disappointments. Have a great weekend. And I hope you'll all join me on Wednesday, November 17th, when journalist Andrew Lapin joins me for an evening, uh, in the evening for a new Conversations with Alan, where Andrew will discuss his new podcast, Radioactive, that explores the life and legacy of Father Charles Coughlin, America's high priest of hate and a notorious anti-Semite. Please join us for that important conversation. Have a great weekend, everybody, and please stay safe. <laughs>